welcome to the NLPcourses.com show, where we push past the hype and pull back the velvet curtains of creating a successful life with NLP, neuro-linguistic programming. Diving into physiology, neuroscience and linguistic programming so that NLP becomes a practical tool at home and in your career. Moving beyond the techniques so that you can make a name, make money or make a real difference to people's lives. Tune in weekly if you care more than others. Think wisely as we set out on our quest to uncover the secrets of successful people from all walks of life. Make sure you head over to nlpcourses.com to subscribe and receive our free newsletter and other goodies. Here is your host, NLP Master Trainer, John Cassidy Rice. Hello, my name is John Cassidy Rice. I had the pleasure to be your host for this podcast. And this week, we are interviewing Neil. I've known Neil for well over 10 years. He's an amazing man. He's He's an entrepreneur, he's a musician, he's uh, outrageous living. And what I mean by that, he absolutely loves life and go for it, full tilt boogie. Hiya, Neil. Good morning, John. How are you doing today? Yeah, excellent, excellent. Thank you. So I think there was two areas that uh, I would like to talk to you about. Uh, one of those was, um, which can be seen to be controversial, I sent out an email about you because you assisted on our NLP Master Practitioner. And it was about your sleeping patterns. Yep. So I'd like to ask a little bit about that because mm-hmm. I got emails back after mentioning your sleeping patterns, which went from, wow, how do you do that? To outright hostility. Okay. But I shouldn't even <laughs> mention it. In my experience, anything unconventional, mildly unusual, tends to provoke hostility from people who haven't tried it or don't understand the process underlying it all yes and i thought that might be good to talk about and also i'd love to talk to you about your approach to teaching music you got a long time i can talk about that all day get some, <laughs> Excellent. Get some strong coffee i can talk your ears off about that oh, that'd be fabulous fabulous so let's start with this sleeping so tell people mm. uh, hey, don't forget that so t- tell people a little bit about yourself and um what got you to where you are today? <laughs> How did I get in the mess I'm in? That's really what you're asking. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, had the diagnosis been around when I was a kid, I would have been autistic, ADD, ADHD. was very violent, antisocial, nasty little runt of a child. That, in turn, turned into eight years lost to teenage alcoholism and then one day just stopping doing that because somebody gave me some belief in myself that I didn't have up till that time. Since then, I've been exploring what I'm actually capable of. I haven't really hit the ceiling yet. And it's an ongoing process for me of just look at something. Is it interesting? Does it look fun? Try it out. Test it. See if it works. If it works, keep on doing it. If it doesn't work, then go find something that's more fun. And that's led me to be a reasonable bodybuilder, a very poor racing cyclist, uh, <laughs> Changed me from being a god-awful guitar player for 20 years to being reasonable. And then moving through my career in the gaming industry after a signed beginning into finance and then across with yourself, changing my expectations of myself once again, using NLP and getting into teaching, which I've done for 20 years. It's full-time for the last 10 years. Um, 
did a degree along the way, <laughs> built a house along the way. Um, it's everything's just a, a bit of a game, a bit of a, a test for me. Right, fabulous. At the moment, I'm investing in properties, writing the next book, building the course which teaches my guitar learning methods and the mindset behind that, and just continuing to build out the portfolio. One property every six months or so, just adding another one into the mix as and when. Excellent. And I think one of the things you said there is um, somebody gave you that chance to believe in yourself. Oh, that was that was a pivotal moment. A guy, a guy named Alan, Alan Roth, to whom I'm eternally grateful. Yeah. And um, would you say that one of the things that drives your your passion for helping other people? Because I've seen you go out of your way to really make a difference in somebody's life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when when you meet people and you and you're doing okay in life, they tend to look at you as you are and assume you were born that way. What they don't see is the backstory and the process, the stumbling down and falling down and getting back up that actually got you to where you are. So I'm really passionate. And this is a big part of how I teach also is we have way more potential than we're led to believe during the educational process. Uh, I believe a lot of the educational system is there to make us comply, to dim down our fires so that we can be exploited, controlled by the system and be nice, law-abiding citizens. My job is to capture that little spark of creativity, fun, naughtiness, if you like, and to just gently fan it so that it starts to burn until it finally catches back into a fire and then into an inferno of, of passion for life. Fabulous. And that's why I teach, and that's why you do what you do. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I guess that's why we get on so well. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, and I'd just like to say, you know, making a difference in someone's life could be as simple as smiling them on a the day when they wouldn't have had somebody smile at them. Absolutely. A word of encouragement. So it doesn't have to be a huge, big thing, does it? It, it literally could be the smile. Yes. Someone once told me that if you see someone without a smile, give them one of yours because, Jesus, they need it. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> All right, so, so let's get to the controversial subject first, which I think okay. um, Hit me. which is the sleeping stuff. So yep. t- t- tell people how long you sleep and then how did you get to that? Okay, when, when I was uh, over at your practitioner session, yeah. I was sleeping probably 90 minutes a day with a couple of 15-minute-ish naps to pad that out uh, it's called polyphasic sleeping because when you think about it evolutionarily it makes sense that we would only sleep in short bursts any animal that sleeps for eight hours on end is extremely vulnerable for, yeah. vulnerable for a long period of time so it made sense for me to experiment with that it makes you desperately dysfunctional in a social setting though so there are a lot of caveats around this yes yes does it work for everybody the first few days you'll feel like crap (laughs) (laughs) and then it gets better. But if you miss your naps, you're screwed. So at the moment I'm throttling back that I'm down to about three and a half, four hours a day, which is one block and then one 10 minute nap for the rest of it. I'm good for that. I'm out every morning. I've been out this morning, run a couple of miles, 
done 10 miles against the clock on the spin bike and my fingers are getting better day by day. <laughs> and what else have I done this morning? Oh, I've been bugging around in here making some music. So, yeah, so I guess what I take from that is, is that A, one to explore new ways of approaching life. Yep. And everything is a test. And everything is to be tested because what works for one person may not work for somebody else. Absolutely. The, the cookie cutter approach to do this, do this, it's not going to work for everybody. I'm, I'm looking that I work for myself. I, I love what I do. I don't have any boundaries on that. I work at home. I have no commutes. Yep. I can eat exactly what I want, drink as much coffee as I like. <laughs> and the external constraints on me are very, very slight. Yes. So I can run my day to suit my own sweet self, whereas someone who's in a day job doesn't have the luxury of going, right, I'm going to just take 10 minutes now. Yeah. <laughs> and, what, and, what, and what's crazy about that, every productivity research that's ever been done says uh, – 20 minutes here, 10 minutes there, rest, just close your eyes. You'll be much more productive for the rest of the day. Absolutely. Churchill used to do it. Yes. In the war rooms in London, they freely tell you that he would often be found having a 10-minute nap on his desk. Absolutely. So it's good enough for Winston. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thatcher used to do the same thing. Yes. You know, whether you like the politics, the, the behavior behind that is fascinating. The psychology of the woman. Is but a lot of CEOs, a lot of musicians, a lot of artists mm-hmm. at the top of their game will take time out during the day. Absolutely. So, so meditation is a big thing at the moment. So mindfulness. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. You, I think you really want to be immersed in the process of your life, not blindly blundering from one thing to the next. <laughs> Absolutely. Which maybe you call that mindfulness. Maybe I just think that's being awake. Yes. And then pause. Just for a moment. Take it in. Ask yourself, is what I'm doing at this moment serving me? And is it serving the people around me? And if you can't answer that question with a resounding yes, I think it's probably time to test another behavior. Excellent. Excellent. Right. I'm sure we're going to get a whole batch of questions around that. Uh, That's good. <laughs> but we, we have done that right now. So, so let's have a talk about the, um, your approach to music. Because uh, I think, um, like you said, you, you're about to launch this big time into the world. I think you've got about another 12 to 18 months working on this project. Yes, it's, it's pulling together the many threads and to compartmentalize it so that I'm not just blowing everything out with a total overwhelm. Uh, I tend to work very structured, very sequentially, and to to move step by step from one thing to the next, which is how I teach. So for me, it's important to put the elements of the system and the teaching method into the right order. Right. Because they arrive higgledy-piggledy and they're not sequenced properly. You're building on an absence of foundation. So the foundations first and the sub layers and so on up to the superstructure. Yes. So, so tell me what, what, in a nutshell, what's the methodology you're using? Okay. It's a keyless system. It doesn't recognize conventional music theory to any great extent. Yeah. I, I did a diploma in music, then I did a music degree. So what, what it taught me was that there were, 
accepted ways of thinking about a very simple phenomena, which make it appear complex and even esoteric at times. So (laughs) you're you're laughing like you know what I'm talking about. And you do because you're a guitar player too. Yeah. Well, I remember a quote I come across that um, it was a a musician. I think he played with um, Judy London, who's a phenomenal guitarist. Mm -hmm. He says, we teach uh, music backwards because we say, you see this picture here, which is the music notes. Yep. And he sort of says, well, it's sound. What do you mean, look at the picture? <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's a misrepresentation. You're using a, a visual phenomena to represent an auditory um, experience. So I, like you, I, I tend to think sound first. So if you can recognize the sound patterns using your natural gifts of listening for the spaces between the notes, the gaps between the notes, the pitch differences. You can then hang the labels on it later once the once the the experience has been felt and understood, then you can start to apply the labels. If you just don't willy-nilly put labels all over the place, they don't have anything to stick to. And I start from the broad universals of music. And eventually, like working out from the middle of a bell curve where you know, 98% of everything is bang in the middle and just tails off at the edges. And so I go from the really common stuff first, the stuff you hear in the charts every day, you know, popular music, the stuff that people actually like, <laughs> and then move out to the edges until right at the very extremes of the tails, the outliers. You've got your slightly freaky jazz, your filthy metal, and <laughs> the stuff that people say they like, but generally, I don't know. I know a lot of people who say they like jazz, but I don't know anybody who actually goes to jazz gigs or listens to jazz. <laughs> so you make of that what you like. <laughs> For me, the big thing is just make it fun. Yes. Um, I know we mentioned this before at the practitioner thing. I have two golden rules in life. Rule number one, write this down. Don't do anything that isn't fun. No matter how much you're getting paid, there is no amount of money in the world that is worth being miserable for. And rule yeah, number two yeah. is don't deal with tossers. DDWT. <laughs> I learned this from a great guy called Pete Thompson, who's a very Oh, I know Pete. He's a great guy. Isn't he, isn't he just the top man? He told me this and I went, My dad should have told me that. <laughs> <laughs> don't deal with tossers. Again, don't be around people who neg you out, who make you feel bad about yourself. or who are not members of your tribe. Recruit as many people into your tribe as you can, but there are some people who just won't get it. They don't get you. Don't squander your life trying to turn them around. Wave at them gently with one finger. (laughs) Get on with the rest of your life with a big smile on your face. Go and find somebody who you can actually help. Yes. So make everything you do fun, because if people are laughing... It's okay for them to foul up. It's okay for them to make mistakes. They can go back to being a child again. I've yet to see a miserable baby. You? <laughs> no, no, absolutely. No, you've got way more babies than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, even my, um, my disabled son, uh, when he was born, he had a hole in his um, top of his skull, these lines of his brain sticking out. He got MRSA infection. He had multiple operations. And yet mm-hmm. he... Still, this little bundle of joy, just happy to be alive. 
yeah, happy to be alive is a, is a fabulous way to live. If you wake up every morning and, you know, the, the alarm clock sounds or the opportunity bell rings or whatever you want to call it, and you open your eyes and go, ooh, I've done it again. <laughs> I'm not dead. Yeah! <laughs> uh, there are two things going to happen. One is you're going to remain single. The other <laughs> one is have a very happy life. Uh, there's not a causal relationship between those. <laughs> but you will be happy because simply waking up, when you think about the odds of you being alive on a certain day through the history of humanity, they're longer odds than winning the lottery. And that's massive. Yes. Every day you wake up, you've won the lottery times 10 based on probabilities. And that's taken a very conservative time frame for human evolution. Yeah. This day, you woke up, you beat the odds big time. So what are you going to do with your fabulous life? Mm. Well, for me, when the alarm toots, I scoots. I get myself out of bed, put my running shoes on, and whether it's snowing, five, ten below, zero, raining, wind lashing, whatever, I'm just going to go out regardless. I could take the rain and the ice and the snow as an excuse and go back to bed, or I can just get it done and get out of the way. Fabulous. I did hear, um, I think it might have been Brian Tracy, I'm not sure, but he did say something along the lines of, when people say to me, life's hard, I always think, compared to what? Yeah, compared to the known alternative. Yes. <laughs> yeah, life's a game, and if you can figure out how to dance through it, if you can go out and skip between the raindrops when you're running, or dance with the snowdrops, or slide on the ice, it's not so bad anymore. You're having a choice. Every single step you take when you go running, it's a choice. Do I take the next step? Do I turn around and go home? Ah, entirely volitional. You have the power to determine your outcomes. So I think one of the things I'm understanding about, because we started talking about teaching music, and we quickly got into a philosophy of life, is that... <laughs> Whatever you do, whatever you do, whether it's uh, music, gaming, running, getting up early in the morning, it's about the philosophy. Yeah, absolutely. You are perpetually dancing on your own graveside. So keep dancing. Don't fall in. (laughs) Make something of yourself. Dare to go and do something unusual. For myself, the moment someone tells me it can't be done, I just think, well, it just means you don't know how yet. And if I don't know how, it's just a yet. I'm a big believer in putting the word yet on the end of a statement. Yes. So I can't do that yet. And then follow it with the word but, because you know from your own language patterns, and I know you teach this stuff, the minute you put but in the middle of a sentence, it cancels out everything you've said before. So put the negative stuff at the front end. That wasn't very good, but this is fabulous. Yes rather than you're a nice guy, but because you know the next bit ain't going to be good and you just cancel out whatever came before. Yeah. So what occurs to me is that I guess in, you have students that come to you to learn guitar. Yep. And you actually have, in the best way possible, almost a therapeutic session with them that goes beyond just learning to play a song. Yeah, absolutely, because... If they have issues in their life that aren't fixed, their ability to learn 
will be stymied to some extent. So if I can take the stuff that I do in my coaching and my um, intervention businesses and bring them across and hide it behind the guitar and surreptitiously sneak in the change that they need, I don't have any kind of problem or ethical conflict about doing deep work on a six-string guitar. I love it. Music is another language. Completely another language. It's a language of simplicity. Yes. I, I speak and write Russian, believe it or not, very badly. And there's 33 characters in the Cyrillic alphabet. In music, <laughs> you're dealing with essentially 11 notes, seven of which are to the fore, and the other five don't use very much. Yes. Well, that's one, one of the things I like about... Um, music is that it affects the brain in a certain way oh doesn't it just you know i dare say you've been on stage playing and had a little solo and you've been off somewhere you've just gone out to pluto yes yes and people looking at you know, john we're over here. <laughs> come back come back in the, they've got to sort of beckon you into land almost yes it's, it's a very trance inducing practice yes I'm personally of the opinion that all musical instruments have evolved as trans uh, inducers and mediators. Yeah. I, the time compression, you probably know this, I'll just have a couple of minutes on the guitar and then wifey will go, Jonathan, <laughs> <laughs> and it's two hours later. Yes. You know, that time distortion, time dilation, whatever you want to call it, it's, it's a universal with musos. Yes. Because we are so in the flow. Yeah. Are you go anywhere been. around the world, language is not a barrier because the music creates a communication. Yeah. Uh, I think that it's not something I've done any research on, but my gut feeling is that ties in with us being essentially vibrational beings, energy beings. And if we can find a, a resonant harmonic frequency with another musician, then we, we bond Yes. Um, if you play music with someone, you're never the same with that person afterwards. Absolutely. There is, there is something deep. Well, deep, if you, very you, probably come, you probably come across Pythagoras. Yes, absolutely. And he's a um, triangle. Well, yep. to study with him, you had to study music. Yep. He believes the earth and the heavens are connected by harmonics. Yep. He's a triangle. Too mathematically equates to a major chord mm -hmm. and you know so it when you're doing maths your ability to do music increases in doing music your ability to do math increase and they're both pure languages absolutely and they're all processes yes i don't believe that we have a natural gift for mathematics any more than i believe we have a natural gift for music <laughs> i think we have a mindset where we permit ourselves to excel in certain fields and that's mostly conditioned. It's inborn and conditioned out of us. That's what I really should say there. So a kid that grows up in a family full of musos isn't inheriting the musical gene is inheriting a socialization for, for making noise. Yes. A, a kid that grows up around people who are juggling numbers all the time, say accountants, mathematicians, scientists, whatever, they live in a world of numbers and it's okay to be cool and very, very good at math in that <laughs> environment. We you know, I changed with uh, this Calculate kid. 
who'd been with an ed psychologist for two years trying to sort his problem out. We did it in 15 minutes using a piece of paper and a pencil. It was phenomenal. He just told me it was okay to do it a certain way that worked for him. Yes. And, and I think... Again, um, playful. Being playful well, with it at all times. Oh, absolutely. And that, that comes right at the heart of studying things like NLP, hypnosis. The, I think the more playful you are, the better results you often get with either on yourself or working with other people. Can you hear me grinning down there? I can, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Saturday I was doing a, a an intervention with a lady who is a fabulous flugel player but can't play solos. She can play in the band that she's in, and she's very, very good. Yes. But the moment she has a solo, she goes into anxiety meltdown. And, she, you know, we got that sorted. She now walks to the solo point like a rock star and blows the house down. It's fantastic. <laughs> and the playfulness of that session was, was incredible because when she walked in, she was very stooped over, gathered up. And when she walked out, she, you know, probably three, four inches tall because she was standing straight and erect. Everything was in the right place. And she was out ready to go and play with the world. God help the world. <laughs> <laughs> and when she takes a solo spot with a band, I think it's tonight they have a rehearsal, then I know she's going to be excited to take the solo. She's going to be confident because she's going out there with the mindset of a rock star. Yes. Indomitable, fearless, and playful and exuberant. And I think if you can get that playfulness, the exuberance, and the the sheer joy of loving what you do into your daily life as much as you can. You can just offer so much more to people. You'll have a lot more fun. They'll have a lot more fun. It's, it's crazy. We miss out on so much fun in life. You know, if it's not fun, let's not do it. Let's go find something that's fun. Let's go. <laughs> uh, well, one of the things I always take away from you, Neil, is this passion for life. And I think that's one of the reasons why you've been successful in multiple different areas. I, th I think there's, there's a great deal to be said for being happy. Yes. And you know, you, I've uh, been depressed. It wasn't very much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. No, absolutely. I tried it out. Okay, eight years later, when I actually crawled out of the bottle, I thought there are better things I can do with my life than this. And I just keep on testing different things. Yes. But all the time, my, you know, say for instance, whilst I'm teaching, my aim as a teacher is to fire the student up about themselves, give them the, the pleasure, the enjoyment of just making a bloody racket that works for them that makes them happy puts a big smile on their face it doesn't have to be technically difficult you know with a, a blind guy people who have who receive disability pensions because their hands are shot from working down coal mines mm -hmm. so one of those persons also dyslexic uh arthritic they're just all over the place but they can play all the stuff they wanted to play having tried several other teachers in the area who told them don't waste their time you'll never be able to play wow um, I would sooner work my ass off and give that guy his dreams than settle for an easy life and, and tell them that they can't. It, that it, almost brings us full circle back to believing in someone. 
most of all, believe in yourself. Yes. So wow. I'm a, a big, big fan of that. Yeah. And there are a couple of things I'll share with you and you, you guys, if you like. And I know we talked about this at The Practitioner, which incidentally, it was just such a cool thing to do. They're lovely people. And they were really switched on. So one of them is, is the inevitable journal. This is volume seven of mine. Uh, so I've been doing this for years now. And I just do, like I said, every morning I do, it takes about four minutes. Now that's about as long as it takes my coffee machine to warm up. So when I've done my run, come back, done the bike ride, grab the shower, then I flip on the coffee machine, grab the journal and a really nice pen. A really nice pen with ink that's nice color. So this is purple ink and a beautiful pen and just write down every morning. By the end of today, I will it to be true that, and then three or four things. So for me, it's have fun, help people, take care of myself and the people I love, be a good man and a good dad, and build my mighty empire. That's my business. <laughs> Lovely. And then below that, I just write out, today I'm grateful for and eager to receive more of, and then a list of so life, health, love, Alex, my son, laughter, friends, and so on. And that's primes the day it's kind of like typing into google the search terms i want google to go and look for and then at the end of the day just to close things off and shut the loop down if you like i will write down today i was happy about and there's many things i can be happy about during the day the things i chose to do and what i learned during the day and over time, you end up with a big pile of books of all these wonderful experiences you've had. So if you ever get down on yourself, you can just open the book and go, oh, yeah, that was pretty cool. Oh, maybe I'm not such a knob after all. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a maybe. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but if you do that, you, end, you just end up with a big pile of evidence. Yeah, it's fabulous. And you're constantly reinforcing the things that you want priming your mind to go out there you're framing your day effectively aren't you yes yes so if you can hold that frame throughout the day you're going to get better outcomes but first create the frame and do it as a conscious act because otherwise you're living accidentally and i'm a quite a fan of having a purposeful life now i know you did a post uh, last week on productivity yes would you like me to rabbit on about productivity hacks? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. There's a great book out there called Getting Things Done. Have you come across that one? Yep, I know that one. It's um, Alan, isn't it? Yep. Uh, David Allen. David Allen, not, that's it. Not the comedian with the, the stump. No. Thing. <laughs> In a nutshell, David Allen just says, get yourself a bunch of index cards and dump all, all of the things that are in your mind one at a time onto a card. Put the, the issue on the left side and on the right side, just the next thing you can do on that particular job. Throw them all on one side and then process them. Can I act on this? Where does it belong? So I will end up with a little stack of cards for things to do on the internet, phone calls to make, jobs to do on my property portfolio, business activities, music activities, and I can just stack them up. So I'm collating them down. So then being the formless mass of just hundreds and hundreds of things 
I can then just grab a pile, sit with the computer or sit on the phone. I go, yep, done, next one, yep, next one, next one. Very, very fast and efficient way to work. I yes. really recommend that to anyone who has a busy life. That sounds good. It's nice and simple as well, isn't it? Yeah, scary simple. <laughs> <laughs> but it works, and I'll take that. If you can yes. do something which is ridiculously simple, easy to implement, you know, don't need fancy systems, maybe four or 500 cards and a couple of pencils. That's my number one hack. The other one is build yourself your own diary. Um, I, I know we spoke about this at your practitioners. I structure my day to suit me because I can, and everything gets done on paper. So I can flip open the paper the week to a few pages, Monday morning, I know where I'm at, where I'm at. I know this morning my job was to go out, run, bike ride, do all that stuff, clean the teaching room, <laughs> do the ironing, because it's, it's cleaners not here this week. <laughs> <laughs> and then I've got the podcast with you, and then I'll be doing a couple of episodes of my own podcast, which is designed for tutors who are in business for themselves, tutors and coaches. It's the business side of it, really. And what's the name of your podcast? It's called The Tutor Podcast. And it's on <laughs> iTunes and Stitcher. Licensing. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> original, right? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> but what, I, what I figure is, as tutors, yeah, and guitar tutors and music tutors generally, are wonderful at what we do, and we're god-awful at business. And I think it's the same with a lot of people who are, in the coaching and helping business. The business aspects of it somehow don't pace with the technical skills that we acquire within our field. So a musician could be you know, a seriously wonderful guitarist or a great guitar teacher and still be skinned. Yes. So my aim with the podcast is just to throw some ideas out there because I've been doing it for 20 years and I make a lot more money than I did as a management consultant <laughs> and help other people make a better living out of what they do. Yeah. And also to deal with the demons of getting paid for doing what you love. Yes. Because that's a, that was a big thing for me. I was always getting told to find a proper job. Think of that is 20, 25 years ago. This <laughs> is a long time ago. Yeah. Taking home a hundred thousand pounds tax after tax. Right. That's a lot of money back then. You could live oh, on yeah. it back then. Yes. No, not so much. But a hundred grand after tax was seriously good money. Yes. And my dad was saying, When are you gonna get a proper job? And my job was to was to run casinos. So I'm hanging out in a nice environment, playing silly games, chatting up beautiful girls and dodging bullets in Eastern Europe. And my dad's going, get a proper job. Um, it's messed up. But, well, I know when I was at school and I said, the, the career advisor said, uh, what, what do you want to be? And I said, I want to be a musician. Yeah. And they said, okay, so what do you want to do for a real job? I was like, what? <laughs> uh, again, that, that tallies completely with my story. My, my great friend Barbara lives in Italy now. She just moved back there. And I met her mom in Cogoletto on the Italian Riviera and I could understand that her mom said, this boy, what does he do? Well, it's nice to be called a boy when you're 50. <laughs> mom said, oh, he's a guitar teacher. Said, no, no. Mom says, no, 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 no. 
really, what does he do? <laughs> <laughs> That's not a proper job. You can't make a living that way. <laughs> so I think everybody should be able to make a good living. If you're technically skilled and you're not making a good living, something's off. <laughs> and it probably isn't your technical skills, at least some aspect of it. So my podcast is all about straightening out the bits that you can do very quickly and very easily that support and will enhance your technical skills. Yeah. So I don't do guitar teaching stuff on there. What I do is self-management, time management, marketing, and philosophy of life. Fabulous. So if you're looking for a system that puts dancing unicorns on your lawn, go elsewhere. I don't have one. <laughs> don't have anything to sell you, actually. <laughs> so if anyone's got a question or would like to find out more about what you do, yeah. how would they contact you, Neil? Oh, it's really easy. If you want the website, it's www.neilcowmeadow.com. And let's just think of a black and white animal in a big green field. <laughs> and there's a blog on there. There's a podcast, obviously. If you want to email me directly, I don't have a problem with anyone doing that. It's info at neilcowmeadow.com. And I'll try and help if I can, whatever it is. Excellent. Thank you so much. And I'll put that information on the website so you can click through. And Neil is someone I've known for a long time, like I say, and he lives with passion. He really walks, he talks, walks his talk, and does not mumble, he stumble. very fast. (laughs) Yes. So so do contact him. He is absolutely fabulous and really does want to make a difference. Thanks, Joe. You're a very smooth talker. (laughs) Say it again. (laughs) <laughs> well, I tell you, one, one of the honours, my greatest honour of discovering and the, being an NLP trainer is the people on the courses. I get to meet people like you and form friendships and so we meet up every sort of few years and it's kind of like, this is just how lucky can one person get to meet such incredible people? Absolutely. And, and that resonates to the guys who were on your your training which i actually learned a lot from even though i've been through that process with you i was just sitting there thinking i'm really lucky to be in this room these are great guys yeah well one of the biggest benefits to doing the training uh is the people on the course hands yeah. down the people on the course you'll, you'll learn all the nlp stuff transforms your life but it's the people on the course that make the biggest difference it is okay. i think one if i can just sort of nod something at you here it makes it made me realize that i wasn't alone and being part of that tribe joining that tribe getting on your community for instance that's a big part of it for me you know to be not an isolated case of optimism in the world yes (laughs) you're not alone you're not a weirdo it's just that you're a little bit different yes will make all the difference to you if you enter into embrace enlarge polish and scintillate that difference thank you ever so much neil and thank you for listening also this and discover that hopefully we're part of your tribe as well and you're proud to be a little bit different a little bit wacky go out and make a difference absolutely john i would like to thank you for for just spending this time with me it's it's my immense pleasure to give out as much as i possibly can to as many people as i can always a pleasure always a pleasure 
Until next week, have a fabulous week and we'll talk soon. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the NLPcourses.com podcast show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes and make sure to head over to NLPcourses.com to subscribe to our newsletter. This will ensure you are kept fully up to date on the latest in-depth NLP topics of interest. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes on neuro-linguistic programming and beyond.